You are listening to an Enoch Pratt Free Library podcast. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey starts here. Here. being here. I'm Heidi Daniel, President and CEO of the Enoch Pratt Free Library here in beautiful Baltimore City. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight for a very special virtual Brown Lecture Series. I want to offer a special welcome to students from the Baltimore Design School who are joining us this evening. I also want to thank Eddie C. and C. Sylvia Brown Foundation for making free events like this possible. We can't wait to welcome you back to our 22 Pratt locations. We are working with health and city officials to figure out exactly when that will be possible. But in the meantime, we're offering many services to continue to help our community. I know a lot of parents like myself are attending a batch of school like never before, and the library is here to help. Visit our brand new website, prattlibrary.org for resources to make virtual learning easier on you and your children. We're helping bridge the digital divide by loaning hotspots and Wi-Fi enabled tablets and providing drive-in Wi-Fi outside of our branch libraries. We've also outfitted our mobile units with Wi-Fi hotspots to offer community Wi-Fi across the city. You can find that schedule on our website. And we've kept, or you can call us too. And we've kept programming like this going. In a new way, it's virtual. None of this would be possible without our generous donors, and I want to thank them all. I would also like to thank our fellow program supporters tonight, the Ruth Enslow Library, Carroll County Public Library, and Prince George's County Memorial Library System. And now for the big event. We are kicking off our fall speaker series with a fashion icon. Dapper Dan pioneered high-end streetwear from the street Harlem to the red carpet. He reveals how he rose to the height of the fashion world in his memoir, Dapper Dan, Made in Harlem. You can purchase the book through our partners after tonight's event, the Ivy Bookshop. Special thanks to them. The memoir was named one of the best books of the year by Vanity Fair and is a fun, quick, fascinating read. Tonight, he's in conversation with WEAA's morning show host, Mikkel Hunter. It's my pleasure to introduce Mikkel Hunter and Dapper Dan. Thank you so much, Heidi. And welcome to Interpret Free Library's Brown series. Um, the legendary fashion designer, New York Times bestseller, uh, Made in Harlem, the memoir, and also soon to be biopic, welcome Dapper Dan. Welcome to the oh, conversation. Glad thank to have you. you. You're looking great. You're looking great. Thank you. As thank I said you. earlier, love the glasses. Thank um, you. When we think about Dapper Dan, for those who know your background and know your history, we kind of talk about, I hate to say, the golden age of the 80s when rap was just kind of stepping on. But before that, you had a clientele. You had a need, you had a passion, and then you had a grind to develop your passion. And your passion seemed to be fashion. You found that very befitting, especially for the gangsters and then soon to be hip hop rappers. Um, how did, what, how did that really transpire? Did you make the image of some of the rappers through your clothing design? Well, uh, what happened was I developed an image for the rappers 
but I built on an image that was already there for the gangsters. It was like street gangster style was around before I was even born. It just developed over the years from time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I transferred that to an image for the rappers because initially the rappers mm -hmm. wanted to be like the gangsters. Okay. So, and, and they copied basically the, the early, you know, during the uh, golden age, they copied all the styles from the gangsters. They wanted to be like them. With so the when they get, and everything. Yeah, with the furs. And, and that's why initially I made, you know, Louis Vuitton, Gucci and uh, jackets reversible. Mm -hmm. One side would be a designer fabric. And then when you reverse it, it'd be, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, fur, some type of fur, rabbit or mink or things like that. Mm -hmm. So in transferring it over, when rap began to gain its power, Sure. I had to give I had to give the rappers an identity. Now each rapper, I would wait and see um, what their message was. So here's here's three cases in point. Eric B and Rakim. Mm -hmm. the, the famous Eric B and Rakim jacket. You see, Rakim has the five percent sign on the back of his jacket. So he was taking, I took luxury and used that to incorporate mm -hmm. what he stood mm -hmm. for. And Eric B, who wasn't a five percenter, he just liked luxury. So I gave him the gangster looking style mm -hmm. in, in in luxury fashion. And then as as it developed, now you take the group like um Jungle Brothers. Jungle okay. Brothers was into Afrocentric mm -hmm. uh rapper. And so I gave them an Afrocentric look because what I made for them was the red, green, and black. And then and then Boogie Down Production was into roster culture. So mm -hmm. for them, I gave them the roster colors and the roster look. So what I did early on was put my finger on the pulse of the culture mm -hmm. and where the rappers wanted to go and mm -hmm. built their image from there. So Deborah Dan, would you say that you infused the culture along with major labels of fashion designers, um, sometimes with an infringement of what was already out there on the major labels? Well, you can use the word infringement. I like the word knockoffs. <laughs> I took the knock uh, okay. design. Knockoffs. Okay, knockoffs. Knock I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I, um, I do what we do. You know, mm -hmm. we came here as slaves and we built on whatever was available to us, mm -hmm. right? And when you look at jazz, actually, what I did with Fashion is what we did with jazz and what we do with music, mm -hmm. you know? We mm -hmm. just blackenize it. Mm -hmm. So I took fashion, European luxury fashion, and blackenized it. Okay. The same okay. way the, the, the jazz musicians took a, the uh, American music mm -hmm. and, and jazzed it up. So it's the same thing. Okay. It's what but, we do. But we are the culture of a lot of uh, the fashion that is seen around the world globally and otherwise, even the copy of music from jazz to hip hop. I mean, it's a global culture. So would you say that you're, when you, when you up the game, when you change the game in fashion, was it, I think it was more inviting, more inclusive to people who, who were quietly copying the culture or appropriating the culture, but you brought it to another level of inclusivity with Gucci and everyone else. In fact, it seems as though you made Gucci more interested in their design with you um, adding the culture of black people into it. Would you? Yeah, uh, yes, uh, exactly. You know, and how I think this came about is like, mm -hmm. 
just like when you look at 153 years that we've been in free in this country to do us, you know, to create culture, to build on our culture, we're constantly coming out with new genres and, and new ways, new aesthetic uh, avenues. And sure. I think that's what makes us so exciting. We just mm -hmm. keep seeing ourselves in a in a different light. It's like we're going back. It seems like the pathway is heading okay. back to that greatness that we once had. So we naturally take all these avenues, these aesthetic avenues, and build on them. And yes, so Gucci and luxury European fashion was one sure. of them. So we we took that, incorporated it into our culture, mm -hmm. and built on it. And they looked at it and couldn't and, and couldn't turn away from it. Okay. So they appropriated it. But you didn't just walk into the world of fashion as a fashion designer. There were other things that led you to where you are. So there was a beginning to Dapper Dan, to Dapper Dan, the legendary fashion designer, who's now one of the global change makers in Gucci and around the world. So tell us a little bit about the beginnings of Dapper Dan, because I understand that, you know, there was a world before um, you cleaned it up before you got on your grind of um, being that fashion designer, that global fashion designer, that fashion designer for hip hop that um, is the example of the culture. Oh, nobody could understand that better than a Baltimorean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here, born and raised. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I know you understand. Well, we, you know, when you, when you look like uh, I, I used to sell clothes in, in East Baltimore and there mm -hmm. was some rough mm -hmm. guys with well, them same guys that you see in East Baltimore, them rough guys, that's, that's, that's the first Dapper Dan. Okay. And I needed, okay. and I needed a way to leave that, that Dapper Dan behind, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I, I looked for an avenue where I could be involved in something that wouldn't hurt my people, but that would raise the bar on how we see ourselves. Okay. And that's how, and fashion offered that avenue to me because I always loved fashion. So I walked away from East Baltimore and went downtown Baltimore by okay. the harbor. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you upgraded. I upgraded, you know, and, 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 and it was a moral, you know, it was something that I felt very spiritual about. So it was a spiritual transition. You know, I say, wow, I can see, but I like what I enjoy so much is mm -hmm. like transforming people. Okay. To have people, the way I was transformed from holes in my shoes and raggedy, not having no clothes, sure. and then and then becoming Dapper Dan, then becoming Fly, the transformation made me feel so good mm -hmm. that I say, I like doing that. And then, so I say, let me open up a store and see if I can transform the people right. in my community. And that's how it came about. So in, in New York, in Harlem, New York, you did transform your community. You could transform the music industry as rap began to really get strong. We never thought it would be where it is today. Do you no. think that um, rap has also added to your survival or your growth as a fashion designer? It has everything to do with it. I feel like um, fashion and music is the other side of the same coin. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to spin that coin right. Mm -hmm. I don't think without without um without the music industry without rap I don't think it would, it, it was possible because rap mm -hmm. became the vehicle which I could use you know okay okay yeah, yeah yeah that that was your walking advertisement your brand your yeah. building of your brand okay. exactly so what's in a label how important is a label is it just a personalized thing or you know how important is a label uh, in my community and I guess in all community. Mm -hmm. Nothing defines you more than a label. Like what I noticed that when I was growing up, 
if mm-hmm. I put on clothes, fly clothes, and everybody knew what they was, and I went right. and I went downtown, they didn't okay. know I lived in. They didn't know I lived in a rat infested <laughs> yeah. building. Okay. You know, okay. So, so the label defined me, and, mm-hmm. the, and the, the label defines people. Mm-hmm. So like, say if you were a label, if you were a, a polo. Okay. Or or if you were a fubu, those two labels define you. Now it's not one that's better than the other. You know, one might be defined of people in a certain class and the other one in another class, but that's just the perception of how people see you. Mm -hmm. But through those labels, you're making a statement, you know? Okay. And uh, it might be a a class statement or white and black statement, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't doesn't make one any better than the other. It -hmm. just shows the people who look at you where you want to be identified at. Okay. When you say the people that look at you, um, it's, you know, when we talk about where we are today with Black Lives Matter, the global pandemic of COVID-19, um, racism and negative imagery, imagery and fashion from the runways of Gucci to Prada and also the, the unflattery images of suffrage and even sometimes, um, you know, images of slavery that we have seen in fashion. Um, how does that offend you or does it offend you as a fashion designer? Do you see that as fashion? I know, it, does, it, does, it not only defends me, it's been one of the obstacles in my way because mm-hmm. there's no way I could prosper in fashion or yeah. build, building off those images. That's mm-hmm. why I had to separate myself from them. And mm-hmm. I think that, that it hurts fashion. It hurts our image, but it okay. also hurts fashion. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but uh, uh, but I think uh, a lot of it, but not all of it. A lot of it has to do with the people who control fashion not understanding our culture. Not understanding the culture. You know, and yeah, not understanding our culture. And then when Mm -hmm. they appropriate our culture Mm -hmm. in the wrong way, I think, you know, cancel culture in fashion came about primarily because of the way. They was using these abusive, the abusive images. Yeah, you know, had they mm-hmm. had us in in these rooms early on, that wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened. Okay, because I know they more about the dollar. So, gentrification, cultural appropriation. Do you think that are we as a people, as black people, are we paying attention to what is marketable, marketable globally? Are we losing our ground as? Um, cultural creators of fashion and design, or are we creating uh, it? Uh, well, uh, on, I think we're limiting ourselves. Okay. By not by not thinking global mm-hmm. and and looking into the global market. That's why uh, this partnership with Gucci was so important to me mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. able to have a platform, a global platform, sure. so everybody know where these ideas were coming from Mm -hmm. and part of the argument that I had to deal with is like well why don't you start your own brand it's not that easy Mm -hmm. you know if you start your own brand you're restricted to the small community that you're in Mm -hmm. meantime your creative your creative flow is being appropriated globally but some people would think that you have already created the image that is affordable to move on globally that it's a worldwide image and brand. Um, is that not a fact? Do, do you need the major fact. labels to do that? 
No, you need the major distribution to do that. And the okay. people who own the and the people who own those labels are the ones that make that possible. Mm-hmm. You have to try to get the best deal you can get. You know, that's what that's what holds us back. It's the distribution. It's to have the ability to reach those markets. We got the creativity. We just don't have a distribution. And that's the problem. Okay. You are now a major decision maker um, with Gucci. You're in the boardroom, you're on the committee, you're a global world changer, you're educating people um, who want to appropriate the culture. Why is black culture um, the focus of fashion? Because it's been the most abused. Yeah, um, I think our images has been so abused that they can't help from but hurting us until they put us in the room so that we can straighten mm-hmm. all that out. Sure. If we don't get in the room to straighten out these images, then it's gonna be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only way I can change that is for us to be in the room. And, and okay. that's my objective. Okay. So do you think that that cultural appropriation really understands the sacrifice of black culture um, from the negative Im- images we have seen just before um, the change maker global um, committee or program was formed? to put money back into our communities. Do I think that the, the initiative that they use? Yes. Oh yeah, I think the initiative, I think it's, I, I really do think it's more that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I think they need to talk to more people like myself who come mm-hmm. from the bottom. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people in fashion who's been in fashion a long time and probably have a different perspective than the way I see it. Sure. And I had this the same discussion today. And let me be clear about what I'm about to say. Sure. I spoke about the two staircases. You know, it's, it's the luxury staircases that's controlled by the luxury brands. There's okay. the other staircase that I had to come up that I control, that mm-hmm. I had to create for myself. You mm-hmm. need people who understand what it is to start from the bottom, mm-hmm. from the black bottom and, and build your own staircase, you know? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. going up that other staircase is plagued with a lot of problems and a, and, and a lot of shortcomings and glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you if you make a way for us to have our own staircase and come up, we won't have those problems. Mm-hmm. You know, so my my take on that is that yes, implement these programs, bring us into the fold. But the most important thing is to help us develop our own global entity, and that's what I'm about. So, so is Gucci now, because of you, trying to create your own global empire, because you've already made a strong impact in the fashion world in the U.S. And um, so with Gucci, are they investing in the communities with the changing, change maker global process or program to build the next Dapper Dan? Oh, yes. Yes, I think so, but I think they better listen a little more to Dapper Dan. I think they're doing everything that they Mm -hmm. should do Mm -hmm. based on the way they see the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish they would listen more to the way I see the problem. And that goes back to what I initially am talking about or how did I get to be Dapper Dan? What did it take for me to be Dapper Dan? And what are you trying to do to create Dapper Dan? You know what I'm saying? I want to see a staircase where mm-hmm. we can build from a guy like myself who comes off the corner, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or a guy like Jay-Z who comes off the corner, what he did with music. Sure. I want to see more people like that come out of fashion. 
for right. us to be able to build these empires like that. Right. And that's what I want to see them create. Now they're opening up their avenues. Nobody's doing it better than Gucci. Nobody's making more of a powerful initiative than Gucci, but I just want them to come over and see it the way I see it. Mm -hmm. See it through the eyes of myself. See mm -hmm. it through the eyes of Jay-Z. That's the challenge. That, that's the big challenge. Okay. You know, so we produce that kind of entity that we did in music and fashion, and until then, we ain't there. Okay. So you're saying that you're one of the few that's walking up that staircase? Or is there, do you see a present future? Do you see the images now that look like you that are walking into um, the the gate that you have or the staircase that you have? Um, I, uh, avenue. I, uh, I don't see nobody coming along like myself. Okay. You know, okay. completely vertical like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I like I, I I I'm very proud of Virgil and what he did and the way he did it because he mm -hmm. came through the other staircase. Yeah. And that's impressive. That's impressive mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he came through with a black waving a black flag. You know, he came through with black designs and things like that. Okay. Something that I didn't see in the early designers because mm -hmm. that kind of thing wasn't open to them. Do you get my point on that? I do. You know, I do. Yeah. So that's very important. That point is very important because he did it coming from street culture. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and and that's what makes it you know, even though he came behind me, still it's important and he came up the other staircase, it's very important. Luxury um fashion or street culture on the runway, um, why is it in such demand for the black culture? Oh, because we we talked about the suffrage, but why is that in such demand for the culture of people of color? Well, you have to go all the way back, right? It's, it's like, I, it has a light to do with the further you move away from segregation, mm -hmm. the more you, young white people and young black people intermix. Now we've come a long way. The, the okay. Beatles made a big statement, mm -hmm. but when you look at the culture back when the Beatles time, mm -hmm. you know, and the African-American time during the sixties, like the Beatles was phenomenal because they took our music and they, and they, created a very good, strong message when they went into India right. and brought back the Maharishi. That's a big mm -hmm. statement, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let me let me ex explain exactly what I'm talking about, right? So, but back then there was still this, this separate uh, identity in mm -hmm. terms of how you dress yourself and all the things mm -hmm. that make mm -hmm. a culture. Mm -hmm. But now since segregation, this long history of segregation mm -hmm. and the interaction and hip hop brought everybody yeah. together. Yeah. Again, you know what I mean, and you see, and you see, like the Beatles, the yeah. Beatles didn't have unified too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the unified. Mm -hmm. The Beatles did not have um, young blacks dressing like the Beatles. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the Temptations didn't have white young whites dressing like the Temptations. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and a massive effort. But hip hop brought it all together. The two when you talk about the recordings of the Beatles from Abbey Road to um, um, emulating Otis Redding or Motown and taking that music globally. So, so the music was welcome around the country, but we were not the face of what we were doing. Um, when you talk about Virgil who does men's fashion um, and you talk about you who does fashion for everybody, um, you know, we just have two major um, fashion designers, one in menswear, one in peoplewear. So women coming into the business, 
where are we with that? Who, who's the next face of Virgil or Dapper Dan that may be uh, female? I hope the next face uh, for Virgil and Dapper Dan is Virgil joins Dapper Dan or Dapper Dan joins okay, Virgil. Okay, so we okay. can bring these, so we can bring these two mm -hmm. elements together mm -hmm. and, 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 and be a, a super, and be a super brand mm -hmm. that just happens to be black. Okay, you talk about a super brand. We talk about uh, black fashion, the culture of, of luxury branding and the culture of streetwear. How important is it on the global runway for models of color to actually represent that or does it even matter? It matters, a, uh, oh, it, 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 who wears the clothes is always important. Okay. You know, and mm -hmm. you gotta, and if they can't see it, they won't emulate it. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. and for mm -hmm. us, you know, mm -hmm. Europeans will see it and emulate it. And for us, we'll see it and know we can be it. So it, it's a win-win all around to have people of color on the runways. Okay, so when you say that it's very important to have people of color on the runway in, in the state of where we are now with Black Lives Matter, all of the protests, um, when I view personally some of the news, I see fashion statements, but beyond a t-shirt, um, will there be global Black Lives Matter going and presented on the runway and perhaps providing a universal message to people um, to unify? Do you foresee well, that? Um, what we have to take notice to, and uh, I saw this happen during the 60s, mm -hmm. um, Black Lives Matter, the identity that's developing is in progress. You know what okay. I'm saying? There's a lot of forces that have come to play in Black Lives Matter that could hurt what it stands for. You know, if we can, if we can get it grounded, if we, mm -hmm. uh, here's, here's what I'm saying. Um, if we can control the responsible people who mm -hmm. are involved in Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and not have outsiders coming in and destroying what it means, mm -hmm. then we can effectively have a global representation of mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter that will push people of color upward and make people around the, uh, around the world respect and protect all people. Okay, you know and saying? with that, do you see it being presented globally on the runway? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. there's, 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 when a brand does something, uh, uh, like for instance, if an individual is on a, on a basketball team, a baseball team, right? Mm -hmm. And he makes a, a fashion statement. That's sure. a fashion. That's a fashion statement. If okay. a brand, yeah. if a brand does it, that's a statement that becomes fashion and becomes so perhaps global. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference, you know. Well, so when you we, move from the individual to the corporate level, then we're moving. Okay, know? I saw an example of that today. So recently, in a very powerful Black Lives Matter statement, um, Titans player Derrick Henry he wore a suit with the names of the victims of police brutality. And when I saw the suit, not even recognizing that it was the names of the victims of police brutality, it was beautiful to the eye, but the message was extremely strong. Do you think, and do you feel, because when I looked at all of the 80s hip hop artists and their gold chains and their jackets and their furs and 
equating that with your fashion design, to me, it was a message of empowerment. What is your message in your fashion other than to be dapper and look good? Well, my message- That's is, a major statement right there because it carries yeah, a lot. Well, my message is in my mission. All mm -hmm. you have to do is look at what I'm doing yeah. and what I'm saying. That's mm -hmm. my message. You know, every, uh, look, I'm born in Harlem, raised in Harlem, never left Harlem, take the train wow. and the bus, Every opportunity I get, no matter where I am, I'm going to talk about how is it, how important it is for us to be in those spaces to change places. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's important because it sounds like you are available. If someone sees you in passing, whether you're taking the bus, the train, um, you make yourself approachable. So the lack of Black representation and building wealth from the contributions that Black people made from the era of jazz to the era of picking cotton. Um, and now it is a reapable award, not to us necessarily. Will, do you see the, the fashion world filling in the gap where black people made those fashion contributions like yourself? Oh, I think now we've reached a point where we have to take responsibility now. Okay. Now, what, one of the things that bothered me the most, that was the most troubling for me, like when I got forced into the underground, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then all these black brands came on the market and then vanished, right? Okay. So we had, we had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to build on what I did initially. Mm -hmm. but they didn't pay attention to what I did initially. Now listen to this. So when I started out, I started out with luxury streetwear. Okay. Right. Which had yeah. never been seen before. I brought luxury streetwear to our community. When the other brands, they, instead of them taking it upstairs, they took it downstairs. Okay. You know, and then they all disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so in that whole 10 year gap, all those brands that catered to us, that was co-created by us, vanished and lost their power. In the meantime, that gave the luxury European brands the opportunity to say, look, look what hip hop is doing. Look what rap music is doing. So what they did, mm -hmm. they jumped back into what I was doing and took over luxury streetwear. And that's where we, 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 right, we crippled right, ourselves. Right. So what happened was that's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. When we had a chance to take over, mm -hmm. we didn't take over right. We mm -hmm. didn't we didn't raise the bar. We lowered the bar. Okay. Do you understand okay. that? I do. Yeah. That's that's a, that's a very deep statement because when you say when you went underground, you never stopped. when you went underground, I mean, you had some challenges that you were faced with that took you away from the game for a moment, but you never stopped building your empire. Exactly. Exactly. But, but those who had the opportunity mm -hmm. to raise the bar, they didn't raise the bar. Okay. That's why nobody, you know, I think one of the most potent things that I heard from the brands when 50 Cent had his, his brand and everybody sure. came to a, came to a meeting and 50 mm -hmm. cents and everybody sat down and they said, and nobody had a, one of his brands on, mm -hmm. nobody was wearing it. Mm -hmm. you know, so how are you going to create a brand and you over even the brand representatives don't want to wear it. Right. You so don't support when it. I was underground, I was creating stuff everybody wanted to wear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You understand? Know and yeah. then when I went underground, we had a chance to build on that. 
We didn't okay. build on that. And so we didn't even want to wear the stuff we was making, you know? <laughs> and so we lost all the brand. They stepped in and took over our, the, our cultural input mm -hmm. and sold it back to us. Okay. But, but you basically did the same with Gucci. You created your luxury urban wear. And then you also, on the flip side, um, I know you don't want to call it infringement, but you did the Gucci wear and we brought both. We brought the, the, the label of Dapper Dan and also combined with your major um, labels, fashion labels. I think that was very smart of you. So how will we, I, I guess so many people want to separate you from any other label. They want you to be, and myself included, the major label. We do have and some questions. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, and I, I want to be that for you. But you got to remember, mm -hmm. you got to remember this. I'm not going to make the mistake that those brands make. I'm going to make sure I mastered the game from every level, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now that I'm on the corporate level, I went from a uh, fashion Frank stand mm -hmm. to fashion catering, corporate okay. catering. Do you understand okay. the difference? You know, I went from the street to the highest level I could possibly reach without mm -hmm. penetrating the corporate structure. Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. where I am now. When I leave here now, mm -hmm. there's no reason for me not to be able to do that corporate thing, that global corporate thing. That's right, you know? okay, okay. Yes. Because fashion includes everybody. We do have a question, Dapper Dan, and this is from the audience. Um, uh, the question is, um, when we talk about adversity, um, racial challenges experienced while designing um, with high-end clothing, and that is, so do you experience racial, um, lack of racial diversity in designing at all? Are there roadblocks for people who have reached your level? Well, I didn't go up that staircase, so I can't tell you. I've never been in that. I ain't okay. never, I never, you know, when, when, by the time I got in the game, I was already respected at the top of the game. And you okay. notice I opened my store in Harlem to continue what I was already doing. Okay. So you would have to ask somebody who came up, you'd have to ask Virgil or, or anybody else who came up that staircase, did they, uh, they, did they encounter that? I, okay. I didn't encounter none of that because I was completely vertical. Okay. You follow? Yeah. Another question from our audience, Bobby Blackwell wants to know, what are some of the things you would tell, maybe the top three things, um, an inspiring designer? Young people ask me that question all the time. Yeah. And my answer to them is this, where are you now? What are mm -hmm. you doing now? Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what you should do until mm -hmm. I know what you are doing. But what I can tell you is where, uh, how I did it, you know? And I think the, the most important thing in fashion is information, you okay. know? Okay. Yeah, the most fashion thing is information. You know, um, my son has been amazing. My son knows that I'm a reader and my son mm -hmm. is a reader. So we read like at my, all while I was in the underground, I was collecting, uh, you know, new DNR, you know, mm -hmm. the, the men's, the, you know, it's no longer around. The men's wear paper that used to be produced, the daily, okay. and, and WWD. So I stayed up on, on top of all fashion technology okay. and all the fashion movements. And now my son does the same thing. He brings me all our information. We go over the, all our information because you have to understand what fashion technology looks like. You okay. have to understand what mm -hmm. e-commerce looks like. Mm -hmm. You have to understand what globalization looks like. And mm -hmm. I would tell them, like, study those different things. But uh, if you, I, I think the, the most important 
uh, progress I've made and was able to get where I got to now because I took um, fashion innovations and, and fashion technology and did things with it mm-hmm. that the brands wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell young people to do, go to the department stores, walk through the yeah. whole department store, right. look at mm-hmm. all the embellishments, look at everything mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. and build from that. Say, when you look at it, you're going to be looking at it from a minority mind. Okay. Okay. Through minority eyes. And you're going to see, say, oh, I wouldn't do that like that. I'll do that like this. So you build like that. So when you travel globally, you read, you study, you have always done that. And you have imparted that on your son, as you just said. So when you travel globally, do you see resemblance or a difference in cultural, the cultural global world? Or do you see black fashion globally as well? Well, you know, uh, one of the things that 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 I found very painful. Sure. Because I tra- I travel all over the world, mm-hmm. all over Africa. I've been everywhere, almost all the countries in Africa. Well, it's fifty four, one third of them, you know. And mm-hmm. um, one of one of the things that I notice is that, um, even here in the United States, and well, let's speak North and South America, we don't recognize it, but there's tribalism among people of color. Okay. But it amounts yeah. to be tribalism, the way mm-hmm. we perceive who we are. And the same thing takes place in Africa. You know, and, and, and case in point, I went to last year when I went to Nigeria, I went to Nigeria to, so that I could study deeply into uh, the Yoruba religion so that I can incorporate, you know, Yoruba elements into mm-hmm. my brand when I move on by myself. And what I was noticing that 95% of the Yoruba was no longer practicing the Yoruba religion. They okay. were now Christian. And what else I understood yeah. was, yeah, yeah. And what I noticed was from country to country that there was this thing like 60, 70% of the black women in certain countries were bleaching their skin. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the blackest people i found in my travel, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're going more African. And what I noticed in Africa, a lot of Africa, uh, a lot of places in Africa is going more Europe. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're going back and they're going mm-hmm. someplace else. Mm-hmm. So how do you bring these elements together? You mm-hmm. bring them together by creating people like myself who rise up to the top, who embrace both cultures and say, mm-hmm. come on, brother. Come on, sister. Okay. Look who we are now. Right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. We yeah. do have another question, Dapper Dan, from the audience. So this is from my um, co-worker, producer, and co-host, Kelly Avent. Uh, her question is... Um, Who's on your radar in terms of up and coming designers? Um, and who are the mentees? Who are your mentees? I mean, who are, you know, that may become your mentee? Oh, uh, well, I have my, my, uh, my grandson, Akil. He's amazing. You know, um, once, once, once he gets certain elements together, he's, he's going he's gonna, to he's, he's gonna be just, he's going to take the world over by a storm. But, uh, but uh, of those coming up now, I would, I would say Kirby. P, from PMOS, I'm excited about him because he understands the uh, revolutionary challenge. You, mm-hmm. you don't separate who you are and what your mission is from how you design. Okay, Anybody? and his, his name again? It is uh, Kirby from PMOS, his brand is PMOS. Okay, right, right, okay. And um, who do you wish to work with or you, that you may not have yet worked with? Someone well, likes Kirby, by the way. 
Oh, oh, you mean in terms of collaboration? Um, yes, yes. You worked oh. with almost everyone. Is there anybody left? Um, I want to work with somebody who I want my my counterpart. I got to find my counterpart somewhere in Africa. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what I, I want to find the right person that I can collaborate with in Africa and, and then probably fuse that with the African rappers, somebody like WizKid or, or Akon, okay. somebody, so that we can we can use that same recipe that we used here to cook the culture up, mm-hmm. you know? So that's mm-hmm. what I would like to do. Uh, okay. I, rem- I remember in the past, uh, one of the old Elijah Muhammad uh, newspapers, they had a, a black arm coming out of Africa and a black arm coming out of America, and they met in the middle of the ocean and they embraced. I think wow. that's important. Very I think we so. identify. I think if we identify with Africa, Africa mm-hmm. identify with us. And, and when I'm talking about us, I'm talking about all the black and brown people. In the, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, white people, mm-hmm. white people, they got their game together. You know, they didn't mm-hmm, did their thing. Mm-hmm, but I'm mm-hmm. talking about all the black and brown people of every mm-hmm. shade, of every creed. You know, coming together. So right. that, you know. Yeah, and in the fashion world, it seems as though we're doing it, but we're doing it sometimes quietly, sometimes very bodaciously, because when I see young um, white rappers appropriating the culture, um, you think that that's going to bring some type of unity opposed to a great divide. The next question from, um, again, one of our um, viewers, can you talk more about the importance of creating a, a recognizable brand? And that's from Mr. Blackwell. For from creating a recognizable brand? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's important, but uh, let's talk about what it what does it take to be a recognizable brand? You know, and that takes identity. You know, if you create the right identity, then people uh, will recognize you. You know, and um, okay. uh, it's important because what I find now is like a lot of people want to wear. Uh, what's another thing that's incumbent upon? black designers is to create things that black people want to wear. Don't complain about black people ain't wearing your stuff. Mm-hmm. If they ain't wearing your stuff, you know what I'm saying? You got to mm-hmm. give them a reason to wear. It got to mm-hmm. be about who you are and what you stand for, or your creations got to be at a certain level that they want to wear. Don't, I don't want nobody wearing my stuff as a favor. I want them to wear it because mm-hmm. of the flavor and for what I stand for. And what you stand for. That's, okay. Yeah, that's the only way it's going to be. Yeah. Right, because you know, as you said earlier, fashion is a statement of who you are. We have another question, and that question um, is, how do we support the future of fashion in Baltimore um, through artistic institutions like the schools and universities, art shows, and um, how do libraries like Ina Pratt Free Library exemplify fashion and style to inspire the next generation? And that's from Michelle Farmer. Okay. You have, uh, uh, the first thing you do is you invite me to talk to <laughs> you. Yes, invite me to definitely. Yeah, and so I can tell them what it looks like from a street level, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then you get people who come, who like um, uh, Andre Leon Talley. Mm-hmm. The perfect thing would be to study everything that Andre Leon Talley went through because he came up that staircase and then to study everything I went through. When you bring them to identities together and those trajectories together you have the whole 360 mm-hmm. of what this game is all about okay you know, he, I, and, and of course Naomi Campbell yeah. okay now you as Andre have have traveled city to city state to state um what do you think um I don't know if you've looked at Baltimore recently is Baltimore making a fashion statement today 
artistically? Well, uh, Baltimore fashion is determined by um, Baltimoreans. If mm -hmm. Baltimoreans are mm -hmm. uh, people, if people are talking about them in other cities, they made a statement. You know what I'm saying? I have I have a saying, and they put this on cap. Outside of New York, everybody's trying to be like New York. Yeah. Inside of New York, everybody's trying to be like Harlem. We made that. We 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 stamped that. We made that possible. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. Baltimoreans make that, so that people in other cities are talking about it. When they make their own statement, powerful statement. But I'm gonna tell mm -hmm. you one thing that was that Baltimore did that was phenomenal because I used to spend a lot of time in Baltimore. You okay. know. Sure. A lot of time in Baltimore, and uh, the girls from New York, the the women in Baltimore was getting it on because the girls from New York, from the ghetto, all of them was going to Baltimore mm -hmm. to get their hair done and okay. get them fancy and get them fancy style. Right. The Baltimorean women was mm -hmm. on the top of their game with that, yeah. and we got to yeah. do that across the field. But yeah. in terms of cities, if you want to talk about cities, who did it? Who had the best impact? Mm -hmm. Because you can't do it through mm -hmm. just fashion alone. You have mm -hmm. to have the other side of the coin, mm -hmm. which is music. Now, the ones who came closer to that is DC. Now, I was hanging with out in DCT. Okay. With DC, with that go-go music. Yeah. With them independent brands, We Are right. One. We right. Are One. And, and, and Chuck and Brown. Matt, and yeah. Chuck Brown. Yeah, mm -hmm. I hung out with mm -hmm. Chuck Brown, Rare Essence, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 um, and, um, Madness connection, so mm -hmm. they had the total package. So, what Baltimoreans have to do, you have to develop the fashion and yeah. develop the artists, and mm -hmm. then you have the package. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. when you look at Virgil, Virgil latched on to who? Kanye. Yeah. With Kanye. 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 Yes. Yeah. And when you look at Dapper Dan, you know, I created the platform for the rappers. So, mm -hmm. you need that combination. When you got mm -hmm. that combination, mm -hmm. you got, you're in there. So I tell the young guys, like now, it's very hard for you to get a rapper because the big brands are snatching them all up. So right, you have right. to have the, the perception to latch on to those artists that are coming up now and okay. you fuse with them. So okay. you, cause, you create a look and a music and then you can't be denied. Mm -hmm. You follow me? You put okay. the city on them, huh? Yeah. When you talk about, um, you know, combining talent, and connecting with rappers, whether it's Kanye West, Jay-Z, LL Cool J, Raheem, um, you know, one of our listeners wants to know, um, do you have black models working with you who have the same swagger and can demonstrate in the clothes and be on demand as well, be in demand as well? So is there any black models working with you in particular? I'll show you some Naomi Campbell. They yes. swag up when they come with me. Every, right. If they walk in with no swag, if they walk into my atelier with no swag, mm -hmm. they're walking out with swag. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. when they get through talking to me, we can have a swag conversation. Okay, okay. You know, I mean, if they don't have it, you have to build it together. That's what it's about. That's what growth is about. Identifying, teaming up, and producing. Okay, okay. Um, the other thing is that fashion seems to repeat itself. Um, we're in an, um, an era where fashion is very independent. Sometimes you'll see the recreation of bell bottoms platforms and the zoot suits. Um, do you see that really becoming a new fashion statement overall, or is it just a trend? 
Well, you know what happened? This is what happened. Um, we're living in the present. Mm -hmm. When the present burns itself out, mm -hmm. it has to move towards what's for the future. Okay. If it, can't, if it can't move into what's for the future because it's bankrupt, then it has to go back and get stuff from the past. And that's mm -hmm. what's happening. You know, okay. if we are creative enough right now, if, if we, we need young people who can see tomorrow right now and mm -hmm. create that now, and mm -hmm. then that now becomes tomorrow. But mm -hmm. we have people who can't see, then mm -hmm. what people do is they go back because mm -hmm. they ain't happy with what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's about. Create how, tomorrow, but now. How has your tomorrow um, reinvented itself today? Now. What I'm doing today is I want to bring um, what I am doing. I'm joining up with uh, other elements of the aesthetics with the black artists, creative okay. artists, with okay. painters. We need to, the same thing that we did with um, fashion and music, we have to do with the artistic community. You know what I mean? And like what Basiat. If we had Bossy out here today, imagine what we could do. We have to get together with the Bossy out of today mm -hmm. and just build this whole aesthetic empire within our own cultural platform okay. so that we can so that we can expand. But it needs message. It it needs messaging. It needs it it needs unity. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it needs to understand what growth is and what what, what black culture is. And we can bring those forces together, you know, okay. then, then we can do that. One of the questions from um, one of the students from the Baltimore Design School is that they have dreamt of this moment and how does it feel to be on a platform that you're on now from the very um, humble beginnings from, um, uh, from worn out shoes to um, designing your own and having such a global impact. And, and to roll from gangsters to rappers who wanted to emulate rappers. How does it feel to be on the platform you're on now? Um, when I, every day, right? Let okay. me tell you what this is. Mm -hmm. I was born in Harlem, raised in Harlem. And right now I'm in my brownstone in Harlem. And when I bought this brownstone, gentrification, before gentrification came in, mm -hmm. there was 10, it was 11 vacant buildings around me. But I believed in Harlem. Okay. And so that's why. So that's why I stayed here, right? And now to see Harlem develop the way it is, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, I feel good about the fact that I stayed here and part of the regeneration of Harlem, mm -hmm. even though I'm, I'm not so happy about the gentrification of Harlem. I was just gonna ask you about that. Yeah, you, you know, I'm not, happy, I'm not happy about that. So what does it feel like now having my own atelier in Harlem, to have a luxury space in Harlem, so that the kid, I stand on my corner of my, where my atelier is at, mm -hmm. every day, people to walk, to talk to people coming and pass. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I take the train and the bus, so that I can talk to people and show them, you know, so they can ask me questions, so we can engage, we can talk about mm -hmm. everything. That's mm -hmm. what makes me feel good. For them to see me there, yeah. You're still and to there. see what's possible, mm -hmm. and to have it in Harlem, that's mm -hmm. what makes me feel good. That's my prize. Do you think that gentrification um, has helped or hurt um, luxury urban culture or urban wear? Has it helped to fortify us and push us forward globally? Well, gentrification? Yes, gentrification well, and appropriation. And appropriation. Cultural let's, appropriation. Start, let's, start, let's start with gentrification, right? Okay. What, sure. what people don't know about Harlem, what made Harlem so unique mm -hmm. is that 
I thought the whole world was like that, but I grew up with poor Irish, poor Italians, poor mm-hmm. Greeks, poor mm-hmm. all kind of white people, mm-hmm. and poor Puerto Ricans and poor blacks, right? But we were all poor together. So it was always a mixed culture. But from that level, by us looking at them and that intermix, we okay. developed who we are. Now all of them worked their, all those other minorities worked their way out, but we stayed here. Oh, okay, so now fast forward to gentrification. Gentrification in Harlem has came in two waves, right? The first wave of gentrification that came into Harlem came for the culture. They came because they liked yeah. black culture. Some right. of them knew more about black history than the blacks in Harlem. They knew okay. more about Harlem than mm-hmm. the Harlemites. This mm-hmm. is the second mm-hmm. wave that came for the real estate. Mm-hmm. They are the problem. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. They're the ones yeah. who turn their nose up. They're the ones who don't go to the, the soul food restaurant. They're and, the ones who, yeah. who, who navigate around you when you walk around the street. Okay. So it's, it's two things. Now mm-hmm. in appropriation, it's the same thing. Some people appropriate the culture through ignorance. Right, exactly, yeah. And some, you know, they can mm-hmm. be fixed. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. people appropriate the culture intentionally. Okay. So that's the difference. You got to know how to to deal with with both levels. Like what what happened with Gucci, mm-hmm. I can't say 100%, but I think it was like accident because nobody want to hurt their bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know? And, so we yeah. stepped in and we dealt with that. Let me ask you a quick question. When we yeah. talk about the bottom line and Gucci not wanting to hurt their bottom line, there have supposedly been some major designers who did not want people of color in their product. Um, do you see that as being fact, or was that just a deterrent to keep you away from, you know, building that brand? Um, I'll have there to any truth to it. I have to hear a, a person of color tell me they heard that person say it, mm-hmm. or it has to manifest itself right in front of me. Okay, gotcha. And and then I can't I can't see, you know, the the objective of of mm-hmm. corporate corporations mm-hmm. is to make mm-hmm. money. Okay. You know, and I know money is money rules all, all of that ignorance, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I um I I haven't encountered that. You know, maybe they have like somebody within this and within the framework that may do something stupid like that, but I could see the corporation getting rid of them. Okay. As opposed, okay. yeah, because okay. it's the money. We have just a couple of more uh, moments left, but there's another question, Um, a few. In fact, Dapper Dan, I am truly inspired by your work. Thank you for creating um, the culture. Do you have, do you ever work with African textiles? I would love to see black people throughout the dysphoria supporting one another by designing and wearing materials made by our brothers and sisters on the continent. Unfortunately, too many people think of the initiation of black prints from China or the real deal. And that's from Yvonne. Yeah, Yvonne. And, and I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. But like when I was over there, all I was seeing everywhere was the Chinese, the Chinese fabrics, mm-hmm. you know? So if we can, what we have to do is get the manpower together, get the money together so that we can open up mills over there so that we can create African fabric. And then you run into a situation that's like, you know, what are we gonna do? We, are we gonna make kente cloth? Are we gonna make mud cloth? Are all, are all Africans gonna, gonna wear that? You can okay. get every African and African most, you can get like 75% of the Africans to wear European clothes. Mm-hmm. You can't get 75% of the Africans that's gonna wear any particular tribal clothes. Mm-hmm. 
One of the important things, um, we talked about it on our morning show, Mornings with Mikkel, about the appropriation of Gucci and being offended by that. Did Gucci ever offer an explanation or an apology um, to you when they used um, with the blackface debacle? That's a question from um, Glam. Yeah, yeah, they did. They offered okay. an apology. Mm -hmm. uh, I told Gucci that I'm a black man before I'm a brand. Everybody knows that story. You know, so I told them they had to come here and, and explain that and their overzealous approach to trying to uh, create these uh, black uh, cultural traits, okay. they ran into, a, yeah, they ran into a problem, you know, mm -hmm. so they had mm -hmm. to come in here and explain, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you the story verbatim when uh, uh, Alexander Michelle, when he came here and he told me to my face, he says, look, he say, I'm a gay guy mm -hmm. in Italy. And I saw you in LL Cool J 20 years ago in your store. And you was dressed like you dress now, always in a suit. And okay. I saw LL Cool J in one of your fits. And he say, I saw the contrast in the culture and how it could come together. Mm -hmm. He say, and I was a fan of Dapper Dance ever since then. Okay. And it made me think, me as a gay person, he was saying mm -hmm. to himself, me as right. a gay person, yeah. I became his idol. He said, okay. he, he, he said, my intentions was, I thought the whole world, mm -hmm. he said, I thought the whole world knew that um, I was paying homage and that we paid homage. To you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, to our culture and to right. me in particular, but to our culture. But okay. that just, that's indicative of the fact that they don't understand our culture. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? I'm... Now, now, having that said, having sure. said that, now, mm -hmm. we got to go to the most important part. Mm -hmm. When they make the mistakes, what should we do? Right. Do we get in the door or do we walk away? Historically, mm -hmm. what have we done? They didn't let us walk sit in where we want in the bus, so we mm -hmm. boycotted the bus. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. When they decided mm -hmm. to let us sit where we want, we went on. We got back on yeah. the bus. Right. So I, I, I sit where I want. I'm right. back on the bus. Do you understand so, that? so when Gucci flipped the script and they began to copy your design, um, were you ever credited or paid for it? prior to being part of the Global Change Makers program. Well, and we'll wrap it up with one last question. Okay. Well, what I consider the deal, sure. and I hope, I hope we can get, if we can get other brands, mm -hmm. uh, if we could put pressure on other brands to do for me, to do with me what okay. Gucci did, yeah. we, we, it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. I dare them other brands to do what Gucci did. I dare them other brands, Prada, Fendi, all them other brands to put a store in, in, in our communities run okay. by us with nobody but us in there and allow us to create clothes, right? Mm -hmm. With their logos, but mm -hmm. our style, and we mm -hmm. get the money. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then through that, we get the money and we get global recognition and then right. we can go global. That ain't okay. gonna happen. I ain't gonna mm -hmm. say it ain't gonna happen, but push for that. Just imagine if we had a young designer right. in Baltimore right now mm -hmm. with his own mm -hmm. Fendi store. Do you right. know what that would mean? Do you yeah. know what that would do? Yeah. Do you know what that, how that Baltimoreans would see that? Mm -hmm. Do you know how proud they would be? Mm -hmm. Do you know everybody around the world in Africa would be rejoicing? Mm -hmm. That would that be would a platform. Dr. Dan, let me ask you one final question from, again, yeah. the Baltimore School um, of Design school student. Um, can the 
when times are hard, um, who do you turn to? When my times books. are hard, who do you turn to? Mm -hmm. My father's dead, my mother's dead. I turn to my books. Okay. I, I go read. I got a lot of spiritual books. Mm -hmm. And so I, re I read. My foundation is my spirituality. That's the core of who I am. You know, I don't need nothing. I don't even, you know what I mean? I've been a vegetarian for 40 years. I don't need no food. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, my e my ego, I don't know where, I left my ego somewhere in the street. You know so, what I mean? All so I can, all so I you're saying you're humble pride. and global at the same time? Humble and global. <laughs> if you're humble, you can go global. Right. You know what? Okay. The Africans, I swear to you, and everybody there. You know, mm -hmm. I had like, at, at the high point, I had 23 Africans. And they mm -hmm. kept telling me, you say, they kept telling me what's happening for me today is going to happen. You know, they kept mm -hmm. telling me that, you know, and I kept, wow. I kept believing in myself, man. I I'm love it. You. So another question for you um, is, uh, I actually forgot the question that I was going to ask you, but simple is that you, this is the question I want to ask you about your biopic. How do you feel about the biopic coming out? And um, who do you want to represent you or has that person been selected? And we've got to begin to wrap up. Okay. Um, my biopic is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. If it's like, anything like the book. It's going to be amazing because we're not even going to do it. Like um, it's, going to, it's going to be, a, first of all, it's going to be a documentary and then the movie and then the series. Because okay. it takes okay. a series to represent everything that's transpired in my life through mm -hmm. all the different stages, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But who I want to represent me, we have some amazing young black actors today, right? Okay. And I, I often thought about that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what I would like to see is that um, somebody new come on the set because mm -hmm. you know when it's somebody they don't recognize, they okay. capture you. If they, were, mm -hmm. if they can capture the story, sure. it becomes so much more real if they never saw them because they get right into the character as opposed to some famous artist, actor, you know? Well, I know it's gonna be someone that will be selected by you and certainly embody um, the man and the legend that you are. Thank you for imparting on the audience today as part of the Interprat Free Libraries Brown series. I wish we had more time to talk because- I wish uh, I got all the time <laughs> in the world. I'm loving this. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to say half of what I I ain't even talking about the streets, though. Well, oh, yeah, I want to talk about the streets. So definitely we'll be talking again. Thank you for your time. And thank you for answering the questions from our wonderful audience. And thank everybody for tuning in to um, the Brown series. More, come, more to come from Interprat Free Library. Thank you, Dapper Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Take care now. This podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library and the Maryland State Library Resource Center. For more information and to access more library resources, please visit prattlibrary.org.